everybody, and welcome back to the new episode of Media Swap with your favorite brother-in-laws who talk about both an awesome movie and an awesome vinyl, sound, or vinyl album, and you get all the dirty deets from both of us. I'm TJ. I'm Kiefer. And we got a, we got a pretty good show for you this week. Um, oh, I'd like to correct you. You said vinyl. Actually, this week I went with the tape again. Oh, you're right. I forgot because we did a tape recently, too, so I shouldn't even say that, but I should just have said an awesome movie and an awesome record. Yeah, I mean, that's it. I'll still say record because that doesn't necessarily mean vinyl. Yeah, and movie could be Right, any things. format. Yeah. Thanks, that. Thanks for correcting me. Yep. Well, you know, I got to. <laughs> I, you know, it's funny because, like, I think t- I, besides you telling me this, like, I'm starting to see a comeback for tapes because I randomly saw on social media when I was like, I was just scrolling um, this advertisement for like a website that was like, I forget what it was called, but it was like selling tapes. And like <laughs> people were commenting on it and saying, like, oh, I got this tape from there and this and that. So I'm like, I think it's like really going to start hitting again. <laughs> It's weird. I didn't get it at first. Uh, I mean, <laughs> strange. It's like, I feel like tapes, in your case, are pretty similar to like VHS. Cause like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, like when vinyl came back, it was like cool. Like I just feel like it really hit hard. And then like with tapes, it kind of seemed like, eh. But now it's like getting really popular again, kind of like VHS. It's interesting. It's probably cheaper for you, isn't it, than vinyl? Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes it isn't. Oh, no, yeah. I mean, depends on what you're looking for. I, I'm, I'm, I'm defining what I want my tape collection to look like, and there's, like, a couple more, like, niche genres that I'm kind of, like, collecting on tapes. Yeah. I. It's hard because that's why I'm not real. You asked me the one time a couple episodes ago if I was like real into VHS collecting and like I just don't want to really drop like $80 on a VHS when I can get it like on Blu-ray cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. It's still sometimes it can be cheaper sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) And it's still cool and like retro to, you know, collect something like that, but it's just, I don't want to break the bank for it. So I don't know. Anyways. uh, So yeah, why don't, why don't we go ahead and get started here? Um, Yep. I'm going to go ahead and go first. I, I picked the movie first this time, um, and I chose the movie Dragon Inn by King Hu, uh, which came out in 1967 in China. Um, if anyone's familiar, um, or if you're not, I think people know that this is kind of like an era in like Chinese cinema that it was kind of like the start of like the modern Chinese cinema. Um, and, uh, what is known as the, I hope I'm pronouncing this right. And I've looked up pronunciations of it. So I believe it is pronounced the wuxia genre and it's spelled more like wuxia, but it's pronounced wuxia, um, which is translated in Chinese to mean, um, uh, like martial heroes, uh, martial artist heroes, um, and it's basically like it's a Chinese like fiction genre with essentially adventures and martial arts. And they're always like taking place in like an ancient Chinese civilization. Um, and like the, the heroes typically like 
are are like lone soldiers. They don't serve a lord, have any kind of military power, or belong to any like aristocratic class. Um, They're and, like rebels. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> like often like they're from lower social classes. Um, they kind of have like a code of honor and chivalry and fight for like justice and righteousness, um, taking down oppressors. Like it's, you know, it's kind of funny. It, it sounds a lot like what, like some mainstream and modern viewers would see in like a star Wars movie. Like, and I think that stuff like that could have taken inspiration from older movies like this. Um, but, uh, anyways, um, usually like the wuxia genre, it's, it still like incorporates like aspects of like Kung Fu movies. But it's it, they're a little different than like what you would see in like a Bruce Lee or a Jackie Chan movie, um, because in like Wuxia, it they incorporate some like superhuman levels of like um, like they can like they'll like run and like kind of glide through the air almost like they're flying, um, and they've almost got like exaggerated um, like how they circumvent gravity. You know what I'm talking about, like with the they're flying around. Yeah, it's kind of like they're floating through the air. Um, they can kind of like in some movies you'll see them like run across water and kind of glide across it. Um, and they're usually like pretty good with swords. Like they're like expert swordsmen, and with, along with their kung fu technique. So I think it goes a little further than like like a Jackie Chan movie or like a Bruce Lee movie is. I think it's stripped down to basically just. Uh, kung fu choreography and then it can be like a regular like action movie but it's 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 you know all fight scenes with like kung fu whereas this incorporates more like fantasy elements maybe yeah um so like in a nutshell that's essentially what the wuxia genre is i think a lot of people um if you're not familiar with like some of these like i'm going to talk about like dragon in um the movie Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon was like the most popular in America. It came out in like the late 90s, but um, it was inspired by these types of movies. Um, because I think when Dragon Inn came out and a couple others like around this era in the late 60s, that's kind of when I think they got more f attention in America. And I think King Who like broke away from what is known as the. Um, uh, Shaw Brothers. There's a, sh a production company in China that, if people are familiar with like Chinese cinema of the time, everything was produced. I felt like every big movie was produced by the Shaw Brothers production company. Um, and it was, I think it was Dragon Inn, if I remember correctly, from what I've listened to. Um, Dragon Inn was like the first movie he made outside of the Shaw Brothers. Um, and kind of, he started kind of, that's when he made a name for himself and was kind of doing his own thing, um, on his own. And I think he even like started filming, um, in like Taiwan and stuff as well. Um, but essentially like, I feel like he was a big player in that, in the, in the wuxia film genre. Um, he was probably the most iconic director, similarly to like George Romero with the zombie genre. Um, and he had... A movie that came out before Dragon Inn called Come Drink With Me. Then he released Dragon Inn. And then there's another one called A Touch of Zen. And um, I think those are like his three big like key movies. Um, and then I think it just kind of... The, the genre grew from there. And you see... I think most people are familiar with Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. That's 
essentially like a love letter to these types of films. Um, and then uh, I think the big thing you can take away from his movies too is like he he does he does really well with like his um, set pieces and cinematography and the scenery. Um, if you if you see like any of his other movies, I don't I don't I don't know if I can say Dragon Inn is a good example of this, but like for instance, like A Touch of Zen, he puts a lot of focus on um, just like what the camera will like pan across and focus on and show as far as set pieces. Um, the cinematography is just like beautiful, especially in like A Touch of Zen, which I don't want to keep talking about because that's not the movie that we watched. Um, but, uh, but you're talking about set pieces. I think that. Uh, Dragon Inn is the set, like uh, yeah, it's, oh, it's yeah. such an integral part of the story that uh, you can tell that that was an important part of the the, yeah. the storytelling for this director. Yeah. Um, so, I, and exactly, like I think those are some of his big things. And another thing I was just going to mention quickly is that he um, he always put like a strong female character like central to most of it, like all of his movies. And I think in Dragon Inn, he does have um, a strong female character. Too. Yeah. So, but I think he does it more in like a touch of Zen and come drink with me. But um, so, yeah, I think those are like some big themes you would notice with his movies. Um, and I think, you know, he just over the years, he's, it's garnered like a lot of appreciation and like a cult following. And um, so, yeah, I mean, that's in a nutshell, like that's the genre kind of explained. Um, so I guess really quick, I'll do a rundown of like what this movie is about and then I, I can like kind of go to you and see what you thought. Um, but, did you uh, watch the, are there remakes of this movie? Did you watch any yeah. of those? I haven't seen the remake, but there is a remake. As far as I know, there's one, maybe there's, I don't know if there's multiple, but I know there was one, um, that I think I want to say it came out in like the nineties. I don't know if you're looking at it right now, but I think it yeah. came out. Um, in the 90s and it's I don't think it's called I think it's called Dragon Inn something like New Dragon Gate Inn and then yes, there's Dragon Gate Inn yeah yeah I, um, I haven't seen it no but I wonder if it's like the same story or if they kind of like changed it. it yeah I don't know I'm not sure I mean I would be interested in checking it out but I haven't seen it um but yeah, just really quick, um, quick synopsis. This is a essentially about, um, sorry, uh, like an emperor uh, is executed, and the there's like a eunuch that's like trying to take over power, and um, they want to kill his kids to like kind of stop the bloodline and t and kind of you know execute a coup. A coup. Um, I said coup. <laughs> a coup. <laughs> but anyways, um, and then uh, basically, there's a there's several characters that show up at this end to like be prepared to protect these kids because the the eunuch and their army are like um, after them. And ba like Kiefer said, most of the movie takes place at this end, and it's essentially like as it unfolds, like characters show up at the end and what, like who their allegiance is towards. You kind of find out as the movie plays out. And, um, it's basically like, a I I I'd want to say towards the end, it's kind of like a last stand type thing where like, like the good, the good guys, the protagonists are like inside the end, kind of like holding fort and they're being attacked like along the outside. And then the fight does get kind of pushed out 
side of the end, but it's the um, boss battle. Yeah, like the boss. That's a good way to put it. The boss battle, like at the end, which is pretty crazy. You know, like he's got like five guys fighting him, and he's just like, take. It's pretty nuts. But, anyways, um, did you enjoy it? Did you like it? Well, I thought it was pretty good. I don't know. Maybe it's something to do with the the age of it or the unfamiliar with the genre that yeah. it was kind of hard to get into at first, but I thought it had a good payoff. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's not... I wouldn't say it's, like, for everyone. Um, it's just, like, a, it's honestly a genre that I've gotten into more recently, too. Like, it's not something that I've always loved. Um, I think I, mean, I, I would be curious to kind of, like, trace the the influence it, it from this movie and, like, the genre throughout into more like, through the, through the timeline and see, like... Because I, I don't know the the other movie you were talking about with, like, the other kung fu stuff, because I'm just uh, not crouching. familiar with those movies. Are you talking what, about what was it called again? Crouching Tiger. Yeah, Hidden that Dragon. one. Okay, I wasn't sure if you had seen mm-hmm. it. I know I know Rachel told me that um, your dad liked it a lot, so I didn't know if, like, it was something you saw, like, when you were younger. Um, not that I remember, no. Okay, okay. But, um, but yeah, I, what happened for me was... I saw um, that Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and I've and Kill Bill are two movies that where it kind of sparked my interest to go back. Well, even I, you can even go to um, we we did a uh, uh, um, Shaolin Soccer and like mm. some of his movies, like just kind of like a mixture of all three of those ones I named, kind of got me interested in going back to the beginning and kind of discovering a lot of these movies that inspired those later ones that i did like um so that's kind of like where i started it's kind of like what you do with music like you know when you you'll go back and look listen to artists that that maybe inspired other ones you like and you know kind of branch off from there um so that's kind of what kind of got me started um i I think you know that kill bill is one of my um all-time favorite movies and so i always wanted to go back and you know look at some of these things that maybe tarantino watched when he was and and we previously talked about how tarantino can like take these older genres and and he loves them so much because he loves movies so much and he he takes them and uh writes these love letters that is kind of what his movies are almost to these different genres yeah right and and that's and you hit on it like i kind of for me i want to go back and see those and and see if i can fall in love with them and like uh and, and and watch where a lot of this came from you know, mm-hmm. and and really kind of learn and understand like the history of film, and not just like watch everything that comes out in the two thousands. You know, so um, yeah. so I, yeah. I have an, a much easier time going back watching and like listening to music from the sixties and seventies. But like sometimes the movies from the sixties, they don't always like grab me as much. Yeah, I was gonna say. Um, the hard thing for me with it's I feel like it is easier with music because it's also easily uh, easier to ex- access it mm-hmm. like with movies there's so many that are like not streaming or mm-hmm. not available on like a newer format especially like these Chinese movies like um, they're just like harder to find and like you literally don't want to drop like 50 bucks on a new like dvd copy of something when you haven't seen it yet yeah and it's just hard um for this one though i gotta shout out to youtube because they 
I got, I got to watch the movie for free on YouTube and the doc for free on YouTube. So I like that. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, what's crazy. Like uh, here recently because of like what you told me and finding the documentary on there, like I'm surprised how much is on there for free. Like, yeah, just, I honestly thought it would get taken looking out for like the copyright stuff. I don't know. I mean, I'm okay with it because you know, not everyone has the funds to like, find it elsewhere and pay for it but it's just I, i'm just surprised that it doesn't get taken down mm-hmm. so um but yeah i don't know if if you're listening and you enjoy um kung fu movies asian cinema in general um if you if you've seen crouching tiger hidden dragon um and and you want to see more um if you really like kill bill like i mentioned like anything like that um, I highly recommend you go back and check out some King Who. Like I mentioned at the beginning, um, he's got three like well-known movies: Come Drink with Me, Dragon Inn, and A Touch Is In. Check them out. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't have a whole lot else to say. I, I I hope that you got something out of it, and if not, that's okay. Uh, you're not always going to enjoy every movie, and I'm not going to always enjoy every album. Um, it's just unrealistic, to be honest. But um, but yeah, I mean. That's all I have. If we want to jump yep. on into some uh, some dead Kennedys. Well, well let's. Um, so yeah, the album is Dead Kennedys, uh, fresh fruit for rotting vegetables. And so the reason I chose this album is I kind of want to get into political talk, and I've got a lot a lot to talk about, and I'll probably like try to limit myself. But we are Americans, and we know American politics, but. Um, but when we first kind of like talked about like the film Dragon Inn and like what Wuha is about, um, how it has such a strong political message to it, like it's about it's about the political struggle. Um, <clears throat> so I think that's something that's been on a lot of our minds, especially with the most recent American election. And so uh, for much of 2020, I think it's hard not to think about politics a lot more. I mean, not, not just 2020, but like at any time and some people can, can turn off and uh, tune out, but I feel like both of us seem to be pretty on the pulse, whether we like it or not uh, about political issues and stuff. So I just kind of wanted to, we'll, we'll get into a little bit of that, but I think this album really just sparks a lot of that in me. So it's good to kind of get it, get that out and see what your feelings are. And if the music kind of like adhered to some of your thoughts and, and feelings that you've had over the last few years or at any point in your political career, because I know you kind of like studied a lot of po- politics and took a lot of classes and your, your degree so <clears throat> you probably know more than me and you're probably better versed, but I don't know how much you'd want to talk about that. Um, but <clears throat> the, this album came out in uh, 1978 and uh, uh, just based on where they were at the time to- and like the, the types of political movements that were happening at the time in, in San Francisco and California, uh, that just is so hard to remove from this album. Do, so you, do you kind of have a, a better historical knowledge of that time? Um, 
it depends um i know for for me like with history like i was heavy into both like world war ii area and like uh from there into like the six late into the late 60s 70s is like hit or miss for me and then a little bit into the 80s because for me like I, I did study cold war history um but it was like it, i feel like my classes would focus more on like it real heavy in the 60s and then like into the 80s and stuff like i don't know so it depends like not a yeah. whole lot but and I, and I think that might be kind of based on like some less vocal activists during the 70s like maybe the participation in the political process kind of waned as it often does it comes comes and goes in cycles people engaged in politics and not engaged in politics and i think we're in a very engaged time right now so um and i think that the dead kennedys tried to bring on a more engaged era especially at least in the local San Francisco scene, but of course that kind of thing can cause waves throughout the future and, and even today. I thought it was funny, but, uh, just really quick. What? I thought it was funny in the documentary when they were talking about um, the lead singer attacking the, was the mayor's name like Dan Brown or something like that? Or I forget his name. Was it like, wasn't it something like that? The governor. I don't remember the name. The governor. Well, anyways, they're talking oh, about the yeah. governor that he was attacking, and um, yeah, yeah. they were like, "What the sure. hell?" Like I'm they were sorry. like, "Reagan was way worse," and they don't support Reagan. They were like, "Why don't you attack Reagan?" And it was just kind of funny. Like they were kind of like, "What are you doing, man?" Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The song uh, "California Uber Alice" is what you're talking about, and it's kind of like this hippie kind of politician. I mean, he's left wing, so yeah, you'd yeah. think that. They're more of a, a, a liberal band, so you'd think that they wouldn't be after such a, a politician. But I think that's kind of like the punk rock has this kind of anti-hippie. It's like the hippies aren't doing anything. They, they don't care. They're just like, oh, we're just going to like peace and love and it, it's all going to go away. And they're not really addressing the problems. And they're almost for- forcing at that point the hippies have aged and they're, they're almost like forcing the, the peaceful like i don't know is it kind exactly of like what it is. Is, a, is a good way to look at it kind of like hippies are more like uh <laughs> in an extreme way of looking at it would it be more like hippies being more like mlk with like no violence and then punk rockers being more like a malcolm x like yes violence like we got to do something yeah, like, kind of okay. yeah but it's kind of like well you guys aren't aren't actually getting anything done and so i get it yeah <clears throat> i feel like you can compare that to nowadays too like i i can see like i don't want to get too specific because i don't want to get too political but there's definitely like a group of the population more on the left-leaning side that are more like you guys aren't getting anything done or doing anything. We need to take like take action. And then there's other people that are like, it'll be taken care of. And they kind of like trust more in the system. And like, I don't know. Yeah. And there's more of like a, a limp noodle approach to politics. And I think uh, that's definitely a huge factor in some of my, I'd like to call political anger, political rage that kind of gets me so 
attached to punk rock music and uh just like the dead kennedys just really hit in that that spot of my brain that's just kind of been inflamed over the last couple years and i I think that's a good way of putting it for me i don't know if you feel the same way or if you kind of milled out with age i feel like the same way i feel like i feel that way for you like i i see where you're at in your life and like i feel like it's i feel like you discovered the genre at like the perfect time in your life and like with what was going on in the country like it's like perfect timing like i feel like you were able to like channel your rage through it and you and they were like speaking to you about it's weird because like it's almost like the lyrics that they were writing then were like speaking to you now and you're just like fuck yeah like and you know what i mean like yeah i feel like it was perfect for you yeah and and for the dead kennedys specifically i'll kind of talk about some of these songs that are like so specific to my exact feelings like um the first track off the album kill the poor like the, I, I just feel like, especially during uh, the American reaction to COVID and how so many people are out of work and struggling to, the breadlines are out there. And I mean, they're real and they're in and they're in 2021 even. So like uh, th- these rich, super rich people that the the kind of like satire of singing "Kill the Poor" like th- that's what they they think, and that's how, how I kind of like view it and uh, just like that's what they're saying and that's just how i feel about it um and like <clears throat> lynch the landlord like that that was another big enemy of 2020 like the, these landlords uh creating more and more homeless people because uh, like we're in the middle of a pandemic and people can't work and and uh, these political they're holding out uh, relief and they're they're not stopping the landlords from evicting people and and just like it was really bleak and to jokingly talk about like going after and killing landlords i mean we're not actually condoning violence but that's just the type of feelings that we get when we see what is happening to uh, our fellow americans and, I mean, at least me personally uh as a I don't. I don't even believe that that should make me a liberal to say that these people shouldn't be out on the street, and these landlords shouldn't have this much power over the people. Yeah, and I think a lot of a lot of the ideas and music is kind of like giving the the power back to the people, and that's kind of the hippie idea, but. I don't know. How do, how do you feel about some of those songs? There, there's other ones with the Dead Kennedys, but... Uh, yeah, it's funny know. because I feel like um, in my older age, I am mellowing out, and I feel like I'm becoming more of a hippie than I am of, like, the anger side of it, so it's kind of funny, like... But I I, get, I still feel like... I, I feel the sentiment behind it, and I agree, you know what I mean? I feel like I'm just not as passionate about, like, the let's do it, you know? I'm kind of more mellowed out now, like, all right, man, like, go for it, yeah. <laughs> now I'll, like, sit back here, but... um, But no, uh, I feel like I would be crazy to not... To say I don't enjoy this, because, you know, one of, as you know, one of my favorite bands, um, Rage Against the Machine, I feel like this is the same... Uh, you know, this is the same music and messages and like the same types of stuff that Rage is preaching um, for. And um, 
And so, you know, these guys were around before them. And, and I feel like I, I don't know where for sure all of the bands that, you know, inspired Rage are. But, I you know, I got to say that, it ha- you know, they had to have somewhere been an inspiration, wouldn't you think? Um, mm-hmm. But I think before you have me listen to this album, my uh, knowledge for this band was limited. I, I, I knew um, the California Uber Alice and, and Holiday in Cambodia songs. Um, Do you know Viva of Las Vegas? I feel like I knew it. I feel yeah. like I've oh, heard yeah, it yeah, before. Yeah. Is that one? <laughs> yeah, I did. Um, but I just recently too made a playlist of a bunch of music like this, and you helped me put it together um, because it's just it's it's what it is is it's it's a genre I really enjoy, but it's something I haven't explored, so it's all new to me. But it it is like I don't know. There's just something about it that's fun and even though it's real serious and heavy material that they talk about in the lyrics, like it's still just, it's just fun to jam through. I don't know. But, um, yeah. Yeah. And this band is particularly fun. Uh, I think that they're, they're funny and they're fun and the, the, the seriousness is really tempered with the fun. And uh, that's an important way to make the message more uh, digestible for their music. Yeah. It's a lot, the best way for me to describe my feelings on it, it's like a lot like watching for me, like a lot like watching a movie or a show where I, I think I have feelings about strong feelings about a lot of the things they're talking about in like punk music. I'm just, I'm one of those people where I'm like, I like to live through the music and be like, yeah, but I'm not actually going to go out and do those things. Like, like, I don't know. You know that who sings the song? Um, like, uh, you know, there isn't there like a punk song out there that's like kill Nazi, kill Nazi, or fuck. That's Nazi. Dead Kennedys. Nazi punks, fuck off. Yes. Yeah. Um, yep. I know that's that song because yeah. of um, Green Room, Green the Room. movie. Mm-hmm. And like, and and when you listen to that, you're like, fuck yeah, like fuck Nazis, like, and you know, you it's get so like, easy uh, message to get behind. Fuck Nazis. Right. <laughs> but I'm not gonna go out and like start fights because that's not my personality. But of course, you know, you can get behind that sentiment. Like, yeah, that's right. You know, and it gets you hyped up, and you're like fuck them like i'm all about it but so i don't know i like to like i like to listen to it and get like excited about it in my head but i'm not actually gonna it's not like getting me pumped up to go out and you know fuck up nazis like (laughs) yeah i don't know how to explain it is that does that make sense i get it yeah okay um and i just want to uh probably okay (laughs) i got a little scattered i want to get into some of the other uh the villains in uh, this kind of scene um so another couple like let me just talk about the album artwork first so the album artwork's like a burning car and you can kind of see it um and it's actually a picture from a riot around the the time before and it it was referred to as the white riots um because a councilman named something dan white or something uh went and killed a couple people, including Harvey Milk, which is one of the first gay activists. Oh, so he's yeah, very important yeah, yeah. in gay history. And that uh, Dan White guy got off on this bullshit Twinkie defense that he was like hyped up on Twinkies and he, he murdered because of that. But it was a very intentional assassination on these politicians. And so the, the riots ensued. And uh, so this is a picture from that. And I think the, the police force in... California is very notorious from this period on all the way through up to Rodney King and a lot of events. Until now. Uh, I mean, yeah. So uh, it's 
it's a very uh, big issue. Uh, there's a song called Police Truck by the Dead Kennedys, but they're, they're, they were a big enemy to the California punks, and they would break up shows. They would go to the shows and like beat up fans and, and band members and whatever. So they were a very oppressive force, and uh, I, th- I, don't, I don't think we necessarily see that as much, but it's still a prevalent problem, obviously, from the events of 2020, this is what I keep talking about. It, it's just, it's just the this plane has lined up with a lot of these like s- songs coming into my life and the, the things happening around me and feeling ho- helpless and sitting at home in quarantine. Like I, I know you're in the same boat, feeling a little bit of helplessness. There. And I have a kid now, so it's like you know I don't want to put myself in any kind of danger, but. Yeah, definitely. But, you know, it's funny. Think about, I don't mean to interrupt you here, but we're talking, we're sitting here talking about dead Kennedys and the LAPD and all that. And, well, not LAPD, but same thing. Yeah. Like, they're still out in California and corrupt cops. But it's yeah. funny because, like, you go, like, 10 years later and, like, look at MWA, like, the same shit was happening with them. And the cops are busting up, like, their concerts and being assholes. And it's just like, this doesn't stop. Yeah, and I mean, that's, that's just something I want to say, like, uh, as far as carrying the torch with overt political music, hip-hop has done that very excellently. Uh, I would add uh, my favorite modern political music is definitely always in hip-hop. Yeah, but, sure. And that's why I hate when people say that hip-hop doesn't belong in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, because I'm like, dude, it got a fu- it's got its fucking roots in rock and roll, and like... It, I think it very much deserves to be in there because, like, rock and roll and hip hop have a lot of the same like passion and like influence behind the writing. Like, I just feel like it does belong there. Yeah, and I'll probably go on some tangent about sampling down the road, but uh, definitely, uh, it's an important art form. But <clears throat> I want to talk a little bit about uh, punk music and your first interactions because i know you talked about rage against the machine and uh we're going to a rage against the machine concert hopefully fingers crossed later this year uh but uh you're kind of like first run-ins with punk rock because like with our age and myself included even like nirvana and green day were from some of the first uh artists that you did you ever like have their cds or anything yeah are they, i didn't think those were considered punk are they well, if you're like a a punk elitist and you're excluding uh, like pop punk and stuff like that, but I, I mean yeah, grunge I and and, uh, and punk rock, it, it, it's kind of like the same thing. But sorry, uh, like, to answer your, your question, your first... yes, I did. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I did. Um, I had Nevermind, and um, I, and I had um, uh, I did get. I didn't. I don't think I had any Green Day CDs, but like I listened to Green Day. Um, like, I was American idiots, obviously, like one of their big. I mean, I didn't have a lot of money at the time, so I didn't like buy a bunch of CDs. But yeah, to CD answer your question, I, yeah. I did listen to Green Day and Nirvana. Cool. <clears throat> I, I I was just kind of like tracing back some of my personal like stuff I would hear on the radio as a kid and be like, well, this is really cool. And some of these songs that were actually from punk rock bands like The Clash, Generation X, and the Ramones, like. To, to think that I was kind of like jamming out to punk rock as a kid, not really understanding like what these bands actually were and, and having a better idea of, of what it was until this age. And I feel like the 
the preservation or like the 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 story and people talking about punk rock is so limited and and as far as like like political conversations in the in the 70s like they're not we're not talking about how big that that what really was as far as like getting people involved and and helping them like be informed like because it's not the internet yet you like to to learn these things you're reading fanzines you're listening to to vinyls and stuff so i think that that's a huge history as far as like what what physical media means to me and everything so that what what it does for people historically i i do feel like there is stuff that i've like heard growing up that would be considered punk but it's hard because i i feel like i struggle with like categorizing music sometimes <laughs> there's so many genres out there now yeah yeah definitely and and it's even harder when you start dicing up punk in a little itty bits and it it becomes fractured and i think you kind of have to like leave it together as, as much as you can when talking about like punk and hardcore and all that i was about to say i feel like punk and metal are two genres where like people get so like sensitive if you like classify a band in that and they're like no way like i love punk or i i am metal you know and like they're just like that band is is pussy shit or something like that you know and they're yeah, like yeah. they get so passionate about it i'm like all right i'm sorry like i don't i don't know <laughs> yeah. uh, like, I, don't know. <laughs> I think it's great that like people your age and stuff like listen to green day and i i hope that like billy joe armstrong like i know he's worn his his influences on his sleeve but like just like him and Kurt Cobain talking about punk rock like that's important and I think it opens the door for a lot of people that are more into music getting into this kind of stuff but you want to um, hear a funny story <laughs> just really quick what? what I remember when I was in like middle school and like I was getting really into like well at the time air quotes it was metal for me and I was all like yeah I love metal music and all this and like I remember like this kid yelled at me like in the lunchroom because I was like I said Linkin Park was metal, and he was like, what the fuck? He was like, Linkin Park is a pop band. It's not metal. It's on the radio. And he got all, like, it was so, like, I was just yeah. like, what the hell? Like, chill out. I won't tolerate <laughs> Linkin Park hate here either. <laughs> I love Linkin Park. I don't even care, but I just thought that was funny because he got so mad about it and caused this big thing in the lunchroom, and I'm just like, chill out. Like, I'm sorry that I considered it metal, and you're a, you're a metal purist and like everything is what you like is you know what i mean it's just like chill out yeah. people are stupid yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um i want to talk a little bit about hardcore in particular like uh this album in particular kind of gets a lot of credit for almost being a big predecessor to a lot of hardcore music in this in the same way that like the stooges get credit for being early predecessors to punk rock so um just a few hardcore bands that I'm really into. I don't know if you consider Black Flag hardcore, but they're another punk band that I really like a lot from California and Bad Brains. Um, but other stuff like Iron Age, Discharge, Poison Idea, Crass, Doom, and Germs. There are a lot of uh, hardcore bands. So if you ever want to go back and, and research any other like albums or uh, if you kind of like this faster really almost spastic playing style of the 
of fresh fruit for rotting vegetables. I think that uh, that'll be good. And I also like uh, several Dead Kennedys albums. Like the first few are really good. <clears throat> uh, and there's another funny story about Jello. Uh, not only did he run for mayor, but uh, to, and, oh, around like the third album they put out, he put this um, Geiger painting in the, in the gatefold sleeve of one of the, the vinyl. And the Geiger painting is penis portrait. And it's basically just a bunch of dicks going and asses across the whole center. And uh, so that got a huge upset. And the and it was just a big war that kind of like continued a lot throughout the the decades of people like the censorship and the and the pornography debate. Oh no, when I see it, like these types of things, like really went into the courts and they they eventually won. And so it's 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 really interesting to see the, like the history of like censorship with the Dead Kennedys and like what's what can you put on a record? What and the and it eventually culminated in like that parental advisory sticker and stuff like that so they were i was gonna say they were in the heart of it because like the 80s early 90s were like hardcore conservative you know with reagan and bush and like Mm -hmm. so it's just kind of funny to see them like doing that and that's like that was the big time for censorship and everything being like super like oh family values and conservative and so like it's kind of funny to see that but yeah and and that's another huge like debate in the modern era it's kind of like flipped around a little bit but still it's a big thing talking about what what you can and can't say and what's appropriate but i think it's hilarious and i want to eventually own that vinyl and just (laughs) whip it open every once in a while like hey look at this (laughs) yeah that's the reason why you have to I'm look at later. You have to look up the the penis I landscape will. so you can I'm get a good good <laughs> image. That's hilarious! I don't care. <laughs> Nudity's funny. Um. Okay. Well, that's all I really got for this episode. Do we have any supplemental topics, Mister Kiefer? Eh, not this week. Not this week. All right. Yeah, we did. We did a pretty good length here. We we still at we broke forty. Michael, every. <laughs> My goal every episode is to break 40 minutes, so wow, if, we we get, if we get there, I'm good, because that's a pretty <laughs> solid episode. Yeah, and if you're still we should listening, make commercials. thanks for checking us out. We, we should make commercials. commercials. Yeah. What are we selling? I don't know. It would just be fun. <laughs> All right. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll make some commercials, and we'll, we'll hawk some products. <laughs> Maybe they'll pay us after they hear our wonderful commercials. I don't know. All right. Yep. McDonald's, I'm looking at you. <laughs> Caramel macchiato, the extra shot. <laughs> let's, let's do a commercial for Domino's and maybe they'll give us some free pizza. Domino's, mix and match, five ninety nine. <laughs> yes. These are what I survive on. <laughs> and I want a brownie cookie. <laughs> All right, cool. All right, we'll catch you guys next time. Um, I think it's Kiefer's turn to pick an album first, and I'm going to try to pair it up with a good movie, so... Cool. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye.